I think it's quite fitting that uh, I'm a bit wet. Uh, it's miserable outside. Um, the weather is humid. It's, uh, there was thunder echoing throughout the apartment a few moments ago. And um, now things are quiet. They're a bit silent. And I can't imagine a better way to end an evening than to gauge your mind. I've been wanting to do this for a while. And I think it's the way Beirut works. I ran into you at the uh, photography fair in Su'at Tayyib. Must be two weeks ago or so. And you just sort of appeared. <laughs> uh, we were talking to mutual friends. And it sort of made sense to me that I shouldn't wait until March 14 next year to ask you to join the podcast. That if anything, maybe this time of the year is the right time of the year. Not because of celebration or joy. I think it's the opposite end. Commemorations of assassinations, not one but multiple. Um, things that look very bleak in Lebanon. Today, I think the lira hit 28,000. Nothing is right in this country. And I think it's fine to still talk about a moment that both of us are very, very proud of. And I think it's a moment that is being misinterpreted over time. So why don't we reflect on March 14? This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar. This is the Beirut Banyan. We all went through the Syrian occupation together. But uh, for me, the one moment that I thought was magic, pure magic, was March 14. And it was seeing a country country waking up from a slumber and it was the Lebanon that I really wanted to see all along so if we can tie that in maybe to what you thought of March 14 as it was as it was building up and the people that inspired you from March 14 Gibran Twaini's assassination the anniversary was two days ago we have Francois Hajj as well was it today or yesterday 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 we have Mohammed Shatah on the 27th father on the 27th so these are all people that either had a relationship to March 14th. We have Pierre in November, not a long Pierre time Jumeir, ago. just a few weeks ago. And there's many more. And of course, Samir and Walid sure. and, so and let's, Antoine. And maybe I can ask you, Sam. what did March 14 mean to you? You know, Ronnie, I, I, I've always said, I've, I've obviously been asked a lot uh, on the subject of March 14th I always try to bring it back to how it really happened first of all there's al there'll always be a me before March 14th and a me after March 14th mm. and I think anyone who was in, I'm not talking about politicians and I'm not talking about political parties uh, what, who, those of us who were just there for 65 days many of us 
were not from a political party. Mm. And at least our group, who's a group we called ourselves Al-Mujtama Al-Madani because we were not a political party and that's why we called ourselves Amam. Uh, uh, and we sort of met in the streets. So mm. yeah, mm. Nicole and I were friends, but I met Khadr in the streets and I met Farid Fakhreddin in the streets and I met Nabil Abu Sharaf whom I didn't know very well in the streets and then I met Edmond Abad in the streets and then I met Inas Fakhreddin and Khadr Mikkewe and uh, then we started and then we coalesced and Shadi Ayash who came from Akkar and these were all people who felt they wanted to be there but did not belong to a political party and we sort of became a group yeah and I always say that had there not been March 14th, I don't think Asma Antawas would have dared marry Nazi Yassin from the Bene. I see. Okay. It broke down. Mm, mm. I lived it, right? Mm. So this was not something I was watching on television. This was not something I read about. And this is not something I like to intellectualize. I'm not an intellectual. Uh, I always say that. And I'm not a politician. I, I, I like politics. few people that would disagree with you on both sides. I, 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 I don't <laughs> dream of being an MP or a minister or a director general in a ministry. I have an issue with systems generally. Um, a bit of a rebel ever since I was at school. So uh, I'm better off as a free electron. And actually, we'll come back to that, but when your father came to my tent, because uh, I was at the tent, uh, and he introduced himself, and of course oh. I had no idea who he was. Um, uh, so this is in the summer of 2005? Is no, this it? is... Um, he was here for a few days um, towards the end of it, just before the Syrians left. Oh, oh, so this is really just after March 14th. Yeah. This is sort of sometime in April. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a short trip, I remember. Very this. short. Yes, of course. All I know yeah, yeah, yeah. is I'm sitting in my tent and Shadi Ayash, who was our tent keeper, says to me, and I think Shadi knew who Hamad was. Mm. I had mm. no idea. Um, yeah. And he said to me, Dr. Muhammad Chata, I was Safir Muhammad Chata, I can't remember what he said. And I said, Minyani. And he made a funny face, like, Asma, put yourself together, you should know this, oh, right? And so, because I trusted Chad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went out and we went for coffee. Okay. And he said he'd seen me on television and then on CNN and that he was very curious to meet me and that if he was coming back, um, he would very much like me to work with him. And I said, but I, I, I'm very flattered, but you are aware I am. I'm not good at Arabic. I'm, look at me, I'm wearing, I remember I was wearing pink uh, Converse shoes. I said, look at me, I'm wearing pink Converse shoes and an oversized that's jumper. That's exactly what we're looking for. And that, he said. <laughs> oh, really? That's he, what he said, said, that's exactly what are I'm looking for. Are you serious? I swear to God. Oh, shit. Now I feel like I've done he something. He said, that's exactly what I'm looking kidding for. Me? And, and so that's how I got into the Serai um, and I said you know I'm not politically correct how am I going to learn how to turn down he said don't worry about that uh, don't worry about that we'll find ways and, and, and I said I have a business I have an events business I don't want to stop my business right. he said we'll yeah. figure out ways I'm just sorry to interrupt but there, there's a lot of magic happening before March 14th yeah the so whole the, month leading to it the whole month and I'll tell you what happened is that suddenly you had in one space an agora of people who had not 
been engaged in dialogue ever, really, because these were people who were all younger than we were, yeah? We were yeah. the oldest tent. <laughs> so that's why we became also the link between them all, and we became the sort of providers, because yeah. we were the only ones who were not a political party, because we were from very different sects, if yeah. one can call I mean, you yeah. know, we had Khadr, I think, is Sunni, and Farid and Walid are Druze, I think. And, yes, yeah. Uh, there was... Uh, <laughs> it, it was a, the, our was very sort of... But I'm going, to, I'm going to... I vividly remember this, although your memory of it is probably more intimate, because you spent, if not every day, almost every day... Uh, I spent every day. Every day. So. Every day for 64 days. I went back home yeah. when the Syrians withdrew... Right, so that's April 14, 15? 23. 23, 26, like that. So you knew the street well for two months. Um, if you can look back now, there's two huge questions, and we can let this sort of steer the conversation. Before we get into really the, the, the most important part, I think, of March 14, which was the, uh, the minds of March 14, not the politicians. Um, they didn't kill the politicians they killed right. the minds so that's exactly so uh, but well said did you sense that uh, the divide over Syria's influence in Lebanon which we did not think of back then as maybe Hezbollah was involved we really sort of went all the way with Syria and we didn't think of Hezbollah the way we think of that group today but there was a divide already. I mean, three weeks in, we had March 8. Thank God we did. No, but, but, sorry, sorry. What I'm gonna, I'll just, so one, one part of this question is, did you already, I mean, we're going back in time now. This is hindsight. Did you feel that there's a sectarian component to the story that is beyond your control? Mm-hmm. And, and another thing, I remember, of course, I mean, we were all, all of us, all of us, across the political spectrum, from Shabed Mastaqbal to Tayyar Watan Al-Hur. Aoun is in Paris, Jaja is in jail. We're all doing the Uwait claps together. I mean, that's... It's not about Uwait either, it's about unity. It wasn't about Jaja, it was about all of us turning the page. So I, these are things you can never let go of. Whatever you think about Uwait, or whatever you think about any of these groups, people were imitating each other in a way that was unusual, very unusual. Do you think that was part of the problem? That we let uh, what ends up becoming the worst part of March 14, which I think maybe is what you were hinting at earlier, we let the politicians guide. Yes. I always say there's a moment when they take over, and that's pretty much when March 14th as a spirit or as an mm. essence mm. dissolves. Mm. And that leads to and to all those Which sorts of absurdities just, just after. Just yeah. after. So March 14th is really the earlier... Which is why I always say, please, there has to be a distinction. And again, but that, don't misunderstand me. Mm. I wouldn't like anyone to think that what I'm about to say now means that I'm one of the Kulunyane Kulun. I'm not one of the Kulunyane Kulun. We'll this, yeah. For me, it's not everyone is the same and those who kill are not the same as those who get killed but um, and there are those who kill and there are those who get killed I, I wanna, um, we'll, uh, we'll get into but, but to go back yeah. to that sure. there was definitely um, a soul a ruh uh, something I'm, uh, to this day I can't define it there was yeah. something in the air it was magic it was it, it, 
we were suddenly friends with people we would normally never be friends with. I went into people's homes and villages all over Lebanon, people who are not only from different confessions, that, that, that in Canada I learned was irrelevant, but from very different social backgrounds, from very different... There was some, something broke then, something... I think we really nearly became one. Sadly, there was a missing component. You just brought it up. To be fair, what we saw on 8th March was, to me, alien. I, I couldn't believe that anyone could thank Syria for anything. Uh, to me, I, I, I just couldn't, couldn't relate to that at all. I, I, it was, to this day, I can't. Yani, it baffles me that they could say thank you, baffled me, that suddenly we became two camps, scared me. Because I felt yeah. that they, when I saw this 8th of March scene, why I say thank God they did is because I think that it made it much easier for us to mobilize on March 14th. It created March 14th. I for don't sure. think there would have been a March 14th. For sure. And actually that was the whole thing. How, how would, would No, there would have been a March 14th because we organized a march every week on the same so, day. Yes, and March 14th sorry. happened to be one of those days. But it would have never been it so have huge. Been the way we think about no. it. No. Yeah, absolutely. It, it couldn't have. Yeah. I mean, this is why I said thank yeah, yeah. God they did. Thank yeah. God they did because it... it gave way to this response yeah. which was a response of of color and life and, sure. and not just one month after Hariri's assassination it was a rejection of thanking Syria uh, absolutely for, yeah so but for me how could we thank Syria even not just because of Rafi Hariri because of everything else the wars the dead the the, the torture the executions the prisons the borivage the masjid so, the there's, there's two How? things here I want to ask you, and it's, it's come up on the podcast several times, and I think it's better that someone else offers analysis, not, not me. I, I want to, you're on the street, you're living this moment, and you see a counter-protest that's fairly large. It's not just 10,000 or 100,000. No, no, it was big. Hundreds of thousands of Lebanese that are showing up thanking Bashar al-Assad and thanking the Syrian army after they're implicated in killing Rafiq Hariri. But not only, right? And they're also... And Ghulam Awad, and Bashir Jmayil, and Mursi Khalid, and... And it's 30... And, 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 and wars, and... It's almost 30 years of Syrian involvement in Lebanese affairs. Occupation, really, no? Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, 15 years of actual occupation, another 15 or so, a little less maybe, of military involvement. So that's three decades of this needs to end. And then you have a counter-protest that says, if it's ending, at least we're going to thank them on their way out. <laughs> so it's primarily, and I, I really despise looking at it this way, but that's the way it's brought up, and maybe that is the only way to talk about it. It becomes a sectarian issue, True. even when the protesters are not sectarian. Absolutely. Thank so, you. I was going to say exactly yeah, that. Yeah, so like you, have you and you're, you, the way you described it is like a, all of Lebanese that want to end the Syrian nightmare are on the streets. Yeah. And then you have what is turning. And there's hope, right? And there's yeah. love. And there's joy. And there's not one incident. There's yeah. not one slap. Not one mashkal. For, these people have never spoken before. Yeah. The young Dirzi had never spoken to a young Christian because his father and this father had fought for years. Is there anything, though, that, is there any, anything in that window that was missed in terms of trying to Maybe there was, in yeah. hindsight. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to answer that. 
That did we did we voluntarily leave anyone out? No. Hmm. Did I'm going to? I mean, we'll go back. I've always to, asked myself. We'll go back to this later. Sorry, sir. I'm 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 being rude here. I'm interrupting you. No, no, you're supposed to do that. Sabotage Tishrin, whether you like it or not. We we'll get into it later. No, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I was not part of it. Okay, you're not part of it, but give them credit that they willingly went out of their way to try to bring. Absolutely. Up to the ring. My mother was there every day. Yeah. And Harakat Amal or Hezbollah, that's not important. You're Lebanese, you're going to protest with us, we're all one and the same. That I saw was genuine. That's real effort. Whether or not it succeeded is something else. The build up to March 14, do you think it's because we did not really know that it was Hezbollah? That we were still looking at Syria and not Hezbollah? That we didn't really own how big of a problem Hezbollah was going to become. I did, because I remember saying that on television back then. I had an issue with Hezbollah as of 2000. Many people did. Mm. Um, Alfin Israelis uh, uh, withdraw from Lebanon. To someone like me, incomprehension sets in as to why Hezbollah are still the only armed group in Lebanon as of 2000. So, if they were there to push the Israelis out, well done, they did it. And then I started having a serious issue and many questions in my mind as to why they were still so armed. But, but it wasn't on your mind on the streets between February and March 2005. I kept saying, I don't want to go to So I guess something was there. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, I don't think... I had imagined. It's funny, I never thought about it before. That Hezbollah were part of the Rafi Hariri assassination. I, I think to us mostly it was the Syrians. Yeah. But because as of 8th March, I started wondering. Right. Because I thought, why would a group. Do that. Yeah. Why would they actually make it a point, and as you said, uh, 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 um, an impressive point? So it was yeah. not like twenty uh, people who have an opinion. This was yeah. people in their thousands oh, was, I mean. uh, saying thank you. And then we started being invited on television plateaus together. Young people yes. from both sides. Yes, of course. Um, so you had people from the political parties on the 8th, political parties on the 14th. Then you had people like me who were 14 marches, but not political parties. Right. And you had yeah. the same like me on the March 8th mm -hmm. scope. And then I remember thinking, we're going to have a serious issue. We, we don't... We don't. The reason I'm mentioning this group in particular back then is because... That is the group responsible for ending March 14, not through persuasion or politics or... No, no, through physical violence and political violence and succession of assassinations. They, yeah, it, this so is my answer to anyone who says, where are the March 14 mines? Okay, where they so were killed, let's one after the other. They were assassinated. It was a very clear plan and executed to perfection to amputate 
Mosh Voting Camp from any brain, charismatic figure, potential actor for change or for political change, a rallier beyond sectarian lines. So people like Pierre Jmail who could have provided a new fresh blood to Christians. People like Gibran and Samir who across sects had that kind of charisma to get people to dream of something different. People, and he's your father, you know him better than I do. I always say this, it's not because you're here. I've rarely met someone so intelligent as Muhammad Shatah before or since. It's, they didn't pick Muhammad par hasard. They did not pick anyone haphazardly. They knew. They knew for each person why they were taking them out. They were taking out anyone who could actually reach out to a larger group of people than their small community and to anyone who could be heard and be an inspiration for locals, diaspora, and the West, and, they, and the Arabs. And they made sure to amputate us from all those. So now when they ask where they are, Well, they killed them. So I'm going to say something. Let's, I'm going to, uh, there's nothing you said that I disagree with. Everything you said is true. And, and anyone that touches their security domain... That will destroy it. Yeah. So there's nothing you said that can even be challenged. I well, will, some I will, people do challenge it, no, I'm sure. But um, okay, without going into conspiracy... Like it could be Israel and it could be I don't know what. Without going... Be, yeah, the... And then they tried to tell us that Pierre Jmeyer was Palestinians who came down from Ruizit, all sorts of bizarre theories. Right. But let, let's say all of this is true, okay? And I'm going to do my best here to detach myself from this whole thing. I'm sorry, yes. No, 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 no. This problem of political assassinations by one group that destroyed a movement is obvious. Michel Aoun leaves March 14 in June of 2005. The son of Rafiq Hariri, within weeks of being comfortable enough to admit that the Syrians may be involved, took him time. It's not something that they were quick to own up to. Actually, I think it was March 14 where that group suddenly was able to say it outright. It was very much and very yeah. often we preceded politicians. So, we forced them to say certain things and we pushed them to do certain things. Exactly. So let's say the... the um, There is a political change within March 14 that happens before the long string of assassinations. I think it coincides really with when Samir Asir is killed in that summer. March 14 is something else. It's the old politics that were more familiar under the Syrian occupation era. You have Mustaqbal, which is now a new party, more comfortable with Hezbollah than Michel Aoun in terms of politics. Was it Mustaqbal? You have a prime minister of this country, Fouad Senyora, who's comfortable... Yeah, but do we know who... Do we remember? No, no, but I'm saying this as somebody who knows that how vicious Hezbollah was. And it's not a long time later. I mean, it's days after the July War in 2006 that there's permanent paralysis on the streets of Lebanon. Which leads us to Doha, Doha. Sure, sure. So that, that whole story is known. Union right? Nationale, uh, that never yeah, works, and I'm, all I'm, of this. I'm really looking at the first stages of March 14. I always ask myself, who 
convinced Hariri, who was a young, In not his even, late 30s? Fo- yeah, he yeah. wasn't even 40, yeah. he had nothing to do with right. politics. And we know how it works in Lebanon, so people who say, well, he should have said no, that's not quite how it works, unfortunately. Who convinced him that Michel Aoun was so dangerous? But this is what I'm looking back at now. I always ask this question. I have a few answers. I don't have any of my own. So, I'm often uh, told it's... Uh, let's not go down that route. because it's, <laughs> I always ask myself, had Michel Aoun stayed on our side, wouldn't have things been very, very different? I think the damage done to March 14 would have been less. For sure. And I think... I because think Michel, I also always yeah. ask myself, sorry, Ronnie, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting you off mm-hmm. here, but... Could Hezbollah be who they are if they were not backed by a strong Christian political party? Oh, they need not just that. They need, I think, Hadidi. So too. imagine if they didn't have Michel on. But then the question is, why is Hezbollah treated as politics is normal within months and Aoun is on his own sort of expedition to get favors from Hezbollah. There's something wrong in the in the immediate aftermath of March 14. I'm going to ask you, and this is a way to tie to October 17 in a way. There's something wrong in the immediate aftermath of Taif. You take mm, out, mm, mm. you take out, I, I don't want to go into specifics because war is contextual, right? But, um, and I come from a place where I know how much that is true. But how logical I mean, ask that to a 10-year-old child. Is it to imagine building a new something? Because obviously the war was a disaster. And taking the very people who did the war, giving them suits and ties, except for Hariri, right? Because he had nothing to do with the war. But, and saying, okay, now you guys, you're no longer bad people who did the war. You're now clean politicians who are going to rule the country. And Macron tried to do exactly the same again now on August 4th. Yeah. So the problem actually goes way before March 14th. The, the problem is we have an intrinsic system failure. I think this is something we need to acknowledge. I'm sure most Lebanese acknowledge this in and out. I mean, let's face it. We have no electricity. We're on the verge of having no internet. We clap when we get uh, a couple of hours of electricity in a row. Uh, Hospitals are going down the drain. Our university is going down the drain. Our school system is going down the drain. Inflation is insane. Unemployment is rampant today. Like you said earlier, the lira hit, the dollar hit 28,000. There is a system collapse. It's a system failure. Now, are we going to take the same people who've been pretty much involved in the past 40 years and ask them to fix it? I mean, you would be either totally unintelligent... Of course, but, but your analogy of Ta'if, I think I understood it slightly differently, that you have the end of the civil war, but groups that do not work with the Syrians are phased out. Yeah. So Tayyar Watan al-Hur is based in Paris. Uwait al-Libnani is based in jail. Uh, all the other groups that are now forgotten are exiled mm-hmm. or they're, they're just out of the picture. So back then it was you had to work with the Syrians. Right. Now you have to work with Hezbollah or but, the Iranians. But, if not, you're out. So, But in March 14 and then June 20, whatever it was, the summer election. Ah, that's when politics took over. I disaster that. Yeah, that's when they did the Amal Hezbollah Mistabal Shiraki. This is what I'm talking about. For Ooh, me... Huh? I can't understand why groups that were 
embracing because they went into the very basic and tiny teeny mathematical count of elections and electoral so is it fair to say that the pretty pop- much like the same reason why some parties much later on went into this heresy of this orthodox law just because they yeah. get four more here and two more right. there and so 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 this is the bigger question then do you would you say that the politics of march 14 died in mid 2005 but the aspirations survived through intelligentsia not through yes, politicians very true okay and then we what what happened that intelligentsia got was killed. killed yeah so what's left i'd like to own something i want to be strong enough to at least admit that as much as i embraced that moment and i thought it was good for lebanon that there's something wrong when most Lebanese Shia are outside it. And, and they don't have to be, I mean, Hezbollah can say something, but if they believe it, they'll show up on the street. And some did, not enough. Some did. Some did, not Especially enough. those that are from more leftist backgrounds, they were there. And we had a few groups that are Shia, uh, uh, I won't say his name, he had to leave Lebanon but, uh, because he was very threatened. Uh, but he was there for the 64 days with 10 people. Right, so there's small, but it's not, it's not enough. It's no, not no, enough. no, of course not. And a large chunk right. of the Shia community was in the other camp. And right. I think that's why also we failed. There's something wrong when, it, when you can't get them to come over naturally against that they're willing to take the risk that they, they didn't take and something else. I'm not a I'm not a Christian Lebanese. I'll never know what it's like to have to think about am I more Aune or Oweji? You can be neither no. Or or Keteib or no, whatever. Or neither no no. Or you <laughs> but, can be but, just a Lebanese sure. sovereignist. No no Christian person course, who know. believes that their country deserves to be free and yes. sovereign and independent and who believes that the people of Lebanon deserve a life, whether they're Shia, Sunni, Hezbollah, Amal, Ishtiraki, Kateb, Uwet, Aouniyeh, or none of the above, they all are without sure. electricity, all of them. Yeah, yeah, but so we're all sure, in trouble. Sure. But it's, I think it's, I, what I meant was I'll never know what it's like to have to f- have this double problem which is the Syrian occupation that is targeting one community more of than course. others. And when it's out, when the Assad regime is leaving, the inertia takes you to Hezbollah, which means that there's an insecurity there that March 14 did not or could not I don't think with. it did not, thank you. It could not. This mm. is very intrinsic, I think, to our... You asked me a question earlier. We have to accept that Lebanon is a very complex country, right? We have, to, we have to understand that we're not like our Gulf neighbors because of this variety of sects, whether yeah. one likes it or not. So we're all terrified of each other. And Christians, maybe we're all terrified more because we know that numerically we're less and less and because our lifestyle is at stake. Um, and that's why a lot of... Christians are leaving Lebanon and that's why they've been leaving in big numbers since the early last century's early years so um, and in the post-civil war in numbers that are huge scary of course because because it has to do with lifestyle stability the possibility of projecting oneself into the future 
and a lot of other stuff uh, has to do with I think also with uh, with other stuff that's more cultural but I, I, I tend like you to feel that that's not sectarian that, that's there's regional dynamics there's a lot of problems we forget that, right yeah. so we can't ever be it's not as easy as ruling Egypt or the Emirates or Saudi Arabia the kingdom or Iran because these are countries where one sect is very predominant so it's yeah. pretty easy and also the governance system is clear there's one person who mm-hmm. decides and then everything gets executed um, I'm not anymore very convinced of our system or well, it's a capacity to rule itself I but mean, I, but it's just that I remember these conversations with somebody who was so anti-Syria becoming sympathetic to Hezbollah very quickly and March 14 was something that was almost tra- transitory that it's not something that they would believe in in itself which I thought is odd you can't you can't go that far unless there's an insecurity that's not addressed I can understand that yeah. I think we failed to address those fears but also, I think that the political game that ensued, the uh, politique politicienne, I'm not sure how you say that in, in English, like what I call small petty politics, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, turned Hezbollah into the super monster it is today, um, allowed it yeah. to become this, this superpower. Uh, this state within the state, this army, this this organization, this captagon exporters, this uh, and producers, this 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 rogue, whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it's very simple. Uh, anyone who doesn't agree is going to get killed, right? Lokman Lokman Slim was killed not a long time ago. What? How dangerous is Lokman? What, what? Lokman reads and writes, right? Lokman doesn't know how to hold a gun. Like Lokman is like Muhammad Shatah. Couldn't have killed a fly. Yani, he used to find me very violent, which I am, but uh, I can be. Uh, but you know, these are people of peace and word. These are people of mind and thought. These are people of ideas. Samir Asir. Muhammad Shatah, Lokman Slim, Jibran Twain, these are not warriors. They're not fighters. How, I mean, so today I always ask myself, what option is Hezbollah giving us? What's their plan? Well, actually, so I'm going to get into this, but in a different way, because I think, I think there's, the, the basics are very, uh, I've had my time to, share that sentiment and I think it stands exactly where you are which is you cannot build a country with an armed proxy militia that eliminates reformists and people that believe in the state or as anyone it, as who disagrees should, with them or anyone that touches on their security in a way that is meant to bring Lebanon to peace rather than perpetual war but all of that understood um, you spend 12 years in a in a way, like a, it's an advisory role. True. Maybe on your terms, maybe. No, but but it's, it, that's what yeah, it was. With somebody who's lost a lot of political capital and may not be able to return in any political shape or form, it's perhaps too soon to say that outright, but at least for the time being, it's unthinkable to imagine Saad Hariri being prime minister again anytime soon, or even let alone MP. It's also, I think it's at this stage, it's at least possible that the future party may close its doors. So that is, I think, happening. 
maybe that's a little too bleak. But you were either alongside my father or maybe sometimes you longer than him. Uh, you you worked in that what was left of March 14 in a political capacity, and it seemed already that it was past its prime, that the intelligentsia we both know were already killed. Uh, you had remnants of March 14 lingering on. And March 14 got a bad reputation in those years. And I don't think it's fair to put uh, the aspirations of March 14 and Saad Hariri's survivability in the same story. They're two different stories. But there is somebody fully associated with March 14 who is then making these strange national unity deals with did he have much choice? I'm not sure. I resigned, to be fair, in 2017. You left in 2017. So I before, left yeah. just when there was the tatwir, they yes, call it. Yeah. To me, it looked like too much of a bazaar. Yeah. And I'm not one to very much like bazaars. Yeah. And I felt that we were coming to something like 2019. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. feel it, right? Yeah. I could sense it. I uh, I have a particular trait to my personality I have friends from very different walks of life and from very different political spectrums I actually have friends from pretty much everywhere um, pro Amal pro Hezbollah pro Shuyu'i I'm a right wing person uh, you married at Tabene I'm, I'm a I'm a strange Sort of, I have very different groups. I from very different generations. I have friends that are twenty years younger than I am. I have friends that are thirty years older than I am, and I, I could feel that something was about to explode. I could sense that we were coming on to. Of course, I had no idea it was going to be anything like sure. yeah. October two thousand nineteen. But yeah. I felt that there was a a real disconnect mm. between people across the political spectrum Mm -hmm. and their actual leaders Mm. and of course all the others who don't believe that any of those can lead them anywhere right Um, just very quickly to go back to Saad Hariri and I'm not going to dwell on that much I hope those listening to us will forgive me I actually love Saad Uh, he's a friend he's like a brother I cannot publicly say what I objectively think of him, that's between me and me. Oh, right. Um, yeah, it's yeah. not like anyone would stop me. I don't think Saad was very successful politically. I don't think, honestly, any of the current political class were successful politically. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be here if there mm-hmm. were. Yeah. I'm not sure Saad was cut for politics. Uh, I'm not sure Saad had a choice mm-hmm. either. Um, people tend to forget that the only reason he was put in those shoes at a very young age and with hardly any knowledge of the Lebanese political Pelava was because his father was killed. And he wasn't killed because he fell on a banana peel. He was killed because they blew up large amounts of, of explosives to make sure he was killed. But There's something about not resigning earlier that made me very uncomfortable with his longevity. That there's something, and you left in 2017? Yes, I left in 2017. I told that, him while I was leaving. But I'm guessing the feeling of wanting to leave was predating... 2017. I wanted to leave after your father was killed. Okay, so that's at least four years earlier. I hung on because, again, like I said, uh, it's a bit, it was my house, this. Mm. Also. It's a place where I felt home. It's a 
person on a human level that I love, Saad. Mm. He, people who know him personally will all tell you the same thing. He is a lovely person. Um, I didn't feel it would be right to abandon. I could feel it was a ship that was not faring very well. And yeah. my the way I think and the way I function says you don't leave um, people when they're... Yeah. But then at one point it became a real issue for me, not Saad Hariri and not Mustabal, the entire thing became sure. for me just... No, I, I think actually, that if anything, the leadership role, he should have been able to relieve a lot of people of that pressure and resigned earlier. I think his reputation would have been more intact. But I, the reason I'm bringing him up... But I also it, think, yeah. and I think this will come in time, people mm. will realize that uh, he will leave much more of a void than people think. Because I know you don't think that way, but that's at the end of the way, Lebanon is cut off that way. There's going to be a serious problem with Sunni leadership. Oh, I actually had this conversation before we started and recording. Saad he Hayri, is still the natural Sunni leader of because Lebanon. Because people <laughs> need yeah. a leader. Right? I, I, agree, I agree. And because, he, I repeat, he's a lovable person. And because, and that's very important, especially for non-Sunnis, he's a very moderate. I, I'm not trying to make this about him in particular. No, and, and for me it's very uh, difficult to be sure, objective sure. about him. But I mean, I admit that he is somebody I love daily, and right. when you love someone daily, you can't be very objective. But I'm going to, the way it is. I'll, I'll ask it because it's become so hard to keep March 14 in an optimistic uh there's so much hatred towards March 14 that comes from places that, you, that it shouldn't come. And this can be from other forms of intelligentsia, could be from journalists, could be from politicians, or could, could come sometimes from October 17. I'm wondering whether or not Saad Hariri, because of his decision to stay longer than he should, and because not just leading up to October 17, but trying to come back again, but let, let me challenge that, yeah. uh, Roni. In, in effect, like I said, I wasn't in the streets, I told you earlier, uh, during the October... I had to divorce uh, him from March 14 in order to be able to think of him in, a, in an objective way. Because but I, I have a question. Who, this whole October, who did it kick out other than Saad Hariri? They're all there, right? And they're fine. And no one's bothering them. And he they resigned. ain't going nowhere. He resigned. Why only him? Oh, that's, uh, of course, uh, actually. I always ask that. So yeah. what's the objective of this October thing? Saad Hariri? Well, then, bravo, and? But my question then is... Why, uh, no, the question is not to you. No, no, my why? question is to, uh, yeah. you know, en general. So the, the, this whole thing about Kellon, sure. Kellon, and we want them all out, and blah, blah. Would anyone dare... So before before we jump into Kilonyani Kilo, because I'll, I'll wrap it up with that. I really want to know. Yeah. I want to know. Your I'm opinion. just saying yeah. that basically this whole October movement managed to get Saad Hariri out the way, yeah. keep everybody else in place. But when it comes to and are we better off? When it comes to the reputation of March 14, I don't know why Saad Hariri came back after he resigned. Again, he resigns in November 2019. Mm. He spends most of 2020 and 2021 trying and failing to form a government form a government and that is not just crushing his own reputation it's not just hurting him it's not just putting him in the emirates for maybe the remainder of his life who knows 
he may not come back in a political capacity again. But it also destroys, I think, the people that really stood by March 14th's principles. It hurts them as well. It may be unintentional. They may not even be in the, in the thought process. But all these people that paid the ultimate price and those that also are still alive, that pursued March 14, took a hit. And I, I don't think... I don't, I don't think, think anyone didn't take a hit. Did March 8 not take a hit? Is Hezbollah doing okay today? That's true, but you don't... Saad Hariri is... The fact that he was still trying less than two months ago, three months ago, and then thinking back to why he became prime minister, or thinking back to why he was even on the news in February 2005, they're two completely different stories. I can't help but... If, if I do not divorce him from March 14 then I cannot be March 14. So I've struggled with this, and I found a way to compartmentalize him. I've taken all politicians out of my March 14th equation. All of them. Honestly. Mm. Because it was a lot to do with people. It was a mm. lot to do with mm. people like me, and those around me, and plenty of others, and nearly a million others. Yep. And we had nothing to do with politicians. Right. And half of us were not in political parties. And even those who were in political parties, I didn't, don't think they waited for their political leader to tell them to go hit the streets. I really right. think something spontaneous, yeah. extraordinary happened. And it just did, right? And every week we would see more numbers and larger crowds on that day because we organize protests weekly. So I always like to say there's the March 14th of people like me, and there are plenty of us, plenty. And there's the March 14th, the political March 14th. And yeah. they sort of managed to destroy it, if anything, because of strange political coalitions and, and little calcul of how many seats are you going to get, to get into parliament yeah. and if you're going to get a cut of the uh, deal of the yeah. telecom or of the highway or of the, you know, whatever it is, this pie-sharing disaster that has led us sure. to where we are. That's one thing. And the brain the other politicians thing, were killed. And the, the brilliant minds, those who could yeah. actually provide an alternative for the future, and I'm convinced of that, yeah. were killed. Yes. To make sure that we do, we're not allowed an alternative for the future. That's why we're stuck. Yeah. Why did the October 2019 movement, which I don't agree with necessarily because I'm not an anti-establishment person, because I am the establishment, that's, or part of the establishment. That's one thing. The other thing is, I have an issue with Kilon Yani Kilon, so that's the other the thing. But why did that fail? We'll go that back yes. to that. But why did it fail? Because the system is stronger. Why did March 14 fail? Because the system is sick. Why did the people who got killed get killed? Because they were a hope of an alternative system. Uh, that's my opinion. That's okay. how I see it. So right? let's, let's try to link you up with what you want and the aspiration of a protester on the street. Not October 17 in the political minds of what we're seeing today, not the, not the Sherb and Nahas versus Kitaib story. Because I have story. an issue with all this leftist rhetoric, okay, so let's this neo-communist, whatever. I'm, to be fair, I've always been very honest about where I am. And I, like you said, when, we, when I first got here, is, uh, I'm not known to be very politically correct, let, right? So for someone like me, yeah. who comes from a, let's call it the way it is, a fairly bourgeois family, 
who comes from the Christian right, if one wants to sort of vulgarize it and sum it down to that. But Although I don't think I am that, yeah. right? I'm just saying that, let's say, right? I, I'm not an anarchist at all. And I have an issue with Hecke, comment on va dire, uh, la la left, yeah? Uh, me. Let, let me so try. that's me. Uh, actually, I'm going to try to do something that it's, I, I don't know if I can. I'm going to try to assume that you can be Kateib, a right-wing nationalist, or a bourgeois... I'm, I'm very happy to represent sure. the Kateib today, but I'm not Kateib. Uh, no, no, right? I'm, okay. uh, sorry, sorry. I no, vote no, in Tibet, just no. so you know. Sadly, I can't even vote for Sami anymore. Okay. Then that's, that's actually... Sorry, then if you're Tibet, <laughs> I should say... Because I would have voted for yeah. Sami had no, I been no, able on. to. If you're Tibet, then I should say... I'm either Mi'ati or Hariri or Safadi or I mean that's Okarami that's who I'm allowed to vote for worse you can be Uwaji again no no so let's assume that Sabatash Tishrin in in principle is a spontaneous uprising lovely in principle okay so similar to the protests that build up صح. to March 14th. And I could feel that, yeah. yes? But that's where the first two months, the yes, first yes. two to three months, it's yeah. when you also had, I'm sorry, I know it's totally unrelated, but you had a queer movement in the street during those three months. Oh, yeah. You had, there was something like a freedom, an end of the system, let's break it up. The Berri people were in the streets yeah, the first three months, course, right? Course, they yeah. came on them little scooters, and I remember my mother used to cheer them. Uh, and she used to say, ajo, ajo. And so, Hezbollah supporters were on So the everyone was on the streets everyone, the first three yeah. months until the politicians yeah. quickly collected their people, correct? So those left the streets. The Uwet and the Auni yep. and, the, and, the, and the, who at first had spontaneously gone yes. down to actually say, you know, we have a problem with our authority too. Yeah. So I, I respect that. For me, I had two issues with that whole thing. The Kilon Yane Kilon, again, for the same reasons we've been discussing for the past hour. La Mish Kilon Yane Kilon. Fimin Yuktal, Ufimin Yaktal, Umish Nafsishi. Can I ask you then? And I, I'm not going to try to challenge this, but removing, it's hard to do it, but removing violence. From that equation, there is obviously one group that is conducting assassinations. There is one group that can implement violence in a way that other groups can't. There is one army that is not the army. There aren't other competing armies. There is one army backed by a very important regional player mm-hmm. that can compete with the Lebanese so army. So how, how can the Ahrar and them no, be sorry, the sorry. same? No, but let's say that is true when it comes to every other issue that we have dealt with. Give me an example. Okay, so Paul Salem recently, he, I, I don't, I hope I get this right, he has these sort of capital S sovereignty state, which we don't have. Clearly we don't have it. And then we have that smaller S, which is the system, the the day-to-day affairs that are not necessarily Hezbollah's direct uh, prerogative. Can I give you a little no, example? Can I just, I'll just finish. Hold on. Sorry to do this. Uh, they are definitely not helping improve the situation for anybody. Corruption and paralysis and stagnation are a direct consequence of having a constant war in this country. Mm-hmm. I agree with this. But when it comes to the rest of the political parties that, that sort of adjusted to the to Syrians, yeah, and to Hezbollah, would you there then say it is killon, yani killon? If you get rid of the weapons, yeah, we talk again. 
Okay, so that so it's and even then, yeah, are the Uwet as are as corrupt as the others? Well, I actually this these are things that are worth asking. I don't think the recent ministers. I can tell you not. Are the Kateib since 2005 and all the governments they've taken part in corrupt like the others? I'm not sure. In the political parties that are accused of corruption, is everyone corrupt? I don't think so. Okay, so you're. So then, let me just say once you get rid of the weapons, that's my take on things. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm not saying we're going to get rid of the weapons ourselves because if there's one thing I'm totally against, it's war. Right? I, I'm not somebody, I don't want to be misunderstood here. Yeah. I'm just saying that with this current Hezbollah version, there is no Lebanon possible. That's my opinion. And I'll give you a silly little example. Yeah. When they come to give me a fine, or when the Mediye calls me to discuss something silly about my taxation, you know what my immediate answer is? Can you do that in Dahi? Can you go into any, is any company registered in Dahi? None. Do they pay taxes, import taxes? No, they don't, but the other merchants do. And, 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 and this. So let, 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 let's not, they can't, them, if we cannot all be subject to the same rule of law, there's no nation possible. You know that, I know that, right? So, weapons, sovereignty, therefore, army sovereignty, yeah. independent judiciary, Yes. which then will allow us proper investigations into everything corruption included and then let the judiciary decide if Roni Shatah and Aslan Andreas are corrupt or not yeah. and if whoever and whoever are corrupt or not to this day we've never ever been able to have a local answer to any of the crimes that have driven the past 60 years of this country's bloody history Do you, you said it yourself once I heard you say it how many pages are there in Muhammad Shatah's file? Zero. How many in Gibran Twaini's file? Two. Oh, two, okay. That's Pierre, good. zero. Okay, that two is... Uh... Or two, I think somebody said that. Maybe okay, Misha yeah. and Naila will, will, will say zero. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Same for René Mawad. Yeah. August 4th. Where do we stand today? How, the, the city was raped. Every single one of us was raped. People died. They lost limbs and children and siblings and homes. Our city, Aga, your neighborhood looks like a, like a ghost neighborhood. We don't have one single answer yet. Not one. All of these, why did we have to go to La Haye and pay hundreds of millions of dollars to find out? And in the end, it was like you said, I listened to you yesterday, it wasn't particularly... I think it was a disappointment to most. But why did we have to have an international investigation? Because we're not capable of having a real investigation in Lebanon. So then maybe once we're rid of the Hezbollah issue, not of Hezbollah, mm-hmm. right? Of the actual issue, which is this version of Hezbollah. You may not remember, but I was young enough, old enough to remember. The Uwait when they were armed were not the way today. Of course. They were of terrifying. Course. Of course. If you were living yes, in their regions and not with them, my father was one of those people, your car would get damaged daily. Yeah, your tires course. would get punctured. Your store would get uh, whatever. You Absolutely. would have a piece of paper. Okay. Yeah. Then the weapons were removed. They became a political party. Somebody, if you and I are going to have this conversation and you have a huge gun here, will I feel as comfortable talking to you? I always make this point that the whole, the whole point 
is to turn Hezbollah into another rotten political party. And all of us should then take on the very long and dirty and very difficult journey of reform together. Voila. Yeah, I agree with you, but I'm trying to find... And then, yes, if we get to that, I'll be fine with actually... I still have issues with the Kelonyani Kelon because I don't really think in the Kelonyani Kelon, but I'll be fine with the Kelonyani Kelon. But first of all, let they all be equal. For all of them to be equal, one of them has to give up the status of super militia. I agree. There's something about March 14. I have Try also, sorry, last no, point, please. because I, I was thinking about this earlier today. Which other political party is involved in Iraq and Yemen and Syria and Bahrain and Polisario and Kuwait? Which other party exports and produces Captagon by the tons? Which other party? None. So I, None. I, I don't have any sympathy for Hezbollah. No, no, I know you don't. No, I'm just saying I'm why saying, I don't I'm like saying, this sentence. No, because course. it's not true. But assuming that we can, let's just say that they are the untouchable party. Uh, below, I think, you may disagree with this, I think the access to corruption and the... uh, They cover each other up. Yeah, and even those that may be slightly cleaner were also at least willing to take part in that horrible state plunder. From the reformists... In certain parties that eventually lost that battle, uh, to the very, very corrupt. I mean, in a way, knowing that certain members that have affiliation to Al-Kata'ib that were found corrupt were fired from the Kata'ib party. That's a good thing. But it exists. So but I, it exists in France, sure, right? Sure, I mean, there's yeah. a minister no, who was no. imprisoned yesterday that sure. served under Sarkozy. It exists but in the States. I, I completely agree. Corruption is not endemic to Lebanon. Of course, but future... Impunity is endemic to the Lebanon. The future movement also did politics very comfortably with a group that Certainly. was killing its best and brightest. And Kate'ib is sabotage to Shireen today before 2016, before 2015, I mean, I had an argument with Sam Ismail in his home in, I think it was early 2014, where he was still talking about how you need to be in the government to reform it. Uh, but it's a question, you know, too. I used to have this conversation with yeah. Dr. Shatah a lot. Yeah. How do you do it best? I don't have an answer. Yeah. Do you have to be part of it to try and infuse change? Or do you do, can you do it from outside? Do you break everything down? How, where do you start? I, I, honestly, I have no answer to this, but these are questions that actually keep me up at night. Mm. Is My mother always says to me, if you had a magic wand, my mother was on the streets in October. She still is on the streets today. My mother is there every time anything to do with August 4th happens. In Adliya, she's there. Yeah. We were there yesterday in Babda for Feris Said because, again, who are Hezbollah to take Feris Said to court because he has an opinion? Could we go there a bit? I don't know enough about him. And he it, tweeted. And so it's a tweet that implicated that they have something to do with August 4th. Right. And he received a summons for. Inciting for civil war. And he was, and it's Isn't that hilarious? It was postponed. Is that right? So yesterday we went and the judge said that because 
of a strike. Yeah, right, right. Some yeah. of the bodies of yes. those who actually take notes, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure I got it right, but yeah. it was postponed. Okay. And there was no date of postponement. So that's another... Right. So that's December 2021. It is 16 years, almost 17 years since Arbatash Azar. Um, he's one of the more vocal, more, one of the more principled leftovers of the spirit. And he carves a space for himself. He walks in the mountains. He does these hikes. But he's a mountain boy. He's a mountain boy. Yeah, he comes mountain from boy. Artaba. Yeah. Artaba is a yeah. mountain place. And his I, brother always used to tell me, you can take his brothers lived in the States and in mm. the UAE and in Saudi. Yeah. And he hasn't been around much. He always said to me, you can take the boy out of the mountain, but never the mountain out of the boy. So they are mountain boys, sure. these boys. But October 17 is young and dynamic and it's youth-led still. Uh, I'm, I feel old sometimes when I talk to October 17 uh, partisans. Uh, Ferris, Ferris Said is in his 60s, maybe? Mm. Okay, and he's largely left alone. There aren't many people like him left in that March 14 vigor. There are some, but they're not as vocal or the, as known. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this where March 14 is now? That it's become just... It, you hear about it when it's summoned... Otherwise, it's not part of the story anymore. I like to think that none of these movements are part of the story anymore. I mm-hmm. really think there's mm-hmm. something new that is needed. I mm-hmm. just hope that whatever it is keeps the essence of March 14th. What in essence is what? Is a sovereign country, a single army, a prosperous country, where citizens actually are allowed to have a dignified life, and where safety is guaranteed. Yeah. Because that's what a country should bring its citizens. Yeah. So if whatever you want to call it, let it be it's going to become December 17 or October, whatever you want to call it. Let's call it Lebanon version, what version, Apple are we now, what have you, right? If it has those components, it's fine with me, honestly. Yeah. I think we have to come to terms that They've killed the best of March 14th. So, of course, March 14th can never be the same because yeah. it's amputated. Um, March 8th cannot rule Lebanon because mm. at least half, if not more, of the country has an issue with the underlying principles of March 8th. Yeah. October 19th... has failed at this point... To actually provoke... uh, October 17th, that one. 2019, I mean. Has failed to actually produce real change, right? Mm. Except for Saad Hariri, which I'm... If that's what it was about, I'm not sure. And so I think really what we need to say today... And I'm, I'm, I'm staying in Lebanon because I want to stay in Lebanon. It's a choice. It's a country. It's mine. My roots are here. My happiness is here, even without electricity and even with potholes. That's where I feel happy. Um, emotionally, I mean. So it, that's where I feel at peace myself, right? I've lived pretty much all over the world. 
this is where I want to stay if I can and this is where I want to be and if I can contribute in any way and I do it by teaching and by um, forming new candidates to, to, to future elections. My condition is they're not allowed to be older than 30 because I think anyone above that <laughs> is rotten already. Um, Thank you. M- not you. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think that after 40 really you should just just and there's so many young people with so many bright ideas and they're never heard because the youth somehow in Lebanon is never heard. So I've been I've been spending a lot of time with youth uh, lately, uh, whether with foundations or at USG where I'm teaching or and it fills me with hope and joy. And I think we need to reinvent Lebanon. I really do. I think we need to reinvent Lebanon. But it has to be done on the basis of we are all under the same rule of law. That is, I think, the ultimate goal that I think both of us may not live long enough to see. But but I still think that we'll live long enough to see the turning of the page later. I think it is a matter of time because the, pl- the seeds have been planted. For me, I'm not as... Um, I still think of them as largely one and the same. March 14 protester and the October 17 protester, not the politicians... And October 17 doesn't really have real politicians yet. It hasn't been tested. But I think the aspirations overlap in most ways. You're right. Most ways. You're right in many ways. And My only issue with a lot of it is that they're not very ever very vocal about sovereignty. And I am obsessed with sovereignty because I think that if we had sovereignty, Hamad Shatah would be here with us. And so would all the others. That's the divide, I think, that will determine the fate of October 17. And I think the narrative needs to stand corrected that March 14 is not the same as March 8. And there's no shame in standing up for Lebanon's independence. So I want to thank you for spending quite a bit of time with me. Thank you. And I also want to thank you for squeezing in time when you're very busy towards this time of the year and going down memory lane in a very difficult uh, way, a very difficult terrain. It means a lot. Not many people can go down this road comfortably. So I hope it's the first of other conversations we have. I'm sure. And uh, Asma, it stopped raining. So we're naturally over. (laughs) (laughs) It was lovely. Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening and watching. And a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.